and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. You know, the more I study the Bible, the more I realize that every single book from Genesis to Revelation all point to Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. In the New Testament, he is revealed, preached, explained, and expected. You find him everywhere because Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible. I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies on my blog. This next series is a hunt for Jesus in the Old Testament. It's how God's story becomes our story when we invite him into our lives. It will help us get to know God better, more intimately. And that's what he wants. He wants a relationship with us. Yes, you and me. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to study what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Jesus in Leviticus, part two. The consequences of sin, guilt, remorse, and contrition. As we're fast tracking through Leviticus, we find in the next few chapters further instructions from God to Moses and the priests. God doesn't want to leave any circumstances regarding sin and how to get atonement to doubt. So the burnt grain and peace offerings that we covered in the last post is just the start, but not enough. These, these next ones cover the what ifs. So let's dig in. We're in Leviticus. We're going to cover Leviticus chapters four through nine. So what if you sin unintentionally or by accident? Well, that happened to me a few times. In the supermarket, I'll place an item in the child's seat next to my purse on the cart and forget to give it to the cashier. I've done that several times. I'll walk out of the store and then find it as I'm putting my groceries in my car. Technically, I've just stolen it. What I'll do, especially if it's something I really don't need, is walk back, walk it back to the store and put it on a shelf. No one noticed. Had I taken the Holy Spirit in my heart, I um, uh, had I taken it, the Holy Spirit in my heart would have convicted me and bugged me until I took it back or paid for it. I remember that happened, and I got all the way home, and I realized that I hadn't paid for, I think it was a, a face cream, a jar of face cream. And um, I took it the next day, because it was late, and the next day I took it back to the store. I kept it in my purse. And then I walked in, walked around a little bit, then came and came out, gave it to the cashier, just like if I just walked in with it. <laughs> but I was bugged until I tell you, the Holy Spirit just bugged me until I went back to the store and paid for it. Uh, back in the days of Moses, God had to cover all the bases. I summarize and quote a few passages, but read it all for yourself. There's a link in my blog um, or um, to the Bible app online, Bible.com, or you can go um, download the Bible app. It's free, the YouVersion Bible app. It's available um, in both um, I, for um, Apple and Google. So we're in Leviticus chapter 4. We're starting in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. This is how you are to deal with those who sin unintentionally by doing anything that violates one of the Lord's commands. 
If the high priest sins, bringing guilt upon the entire community, he must give a sin offering for the sin he has committed. He must present it to the Lord. He must present to the Lord a young bull with no defects. He must bring the bull to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle, lay his hands on the bull's head and slaughter it before the Lord. The high priest will then take some of the bull's blood into the tabernacle, dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the inner curtain of the sanctuary. The priest will then put some of the blood on the horns of the altar for fragrant incense that stands in the Lord's presence inside the tabernacle. Okay, so what if a priest or a leader sins? What if a person accidentally sins? What if the entire community sins? What if a person accidentally touches a dead animal? What if someone refuses to testify? What if somebody unintentionally breaks something? That's a value that belongs to somebody else. Everyone has to be made right with the Lord. And we have the sin offering and we have the guilt offering. Leviticus 4.35. The priest will burn the fat on the altar on top of the special gifts presented to the Lord. Through this process, the priest will purify the people from their sin, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. Now, depending on the sin, they bring a bull, sheep, or goat without defects, or pigeons if they were poor. For their sin or guilt offering, the priest would lay his hands on the animal, symbolically transferring the sinner's sin to, into the animal. Then the blood of the sacrifice is sprinkled on the altar and the sacrifice burned in the fire that, ne that is never to go out. All right, continuing, uh, we're jumping to Leviticus 5, verse 5. When you become aware of your guilt in any of these ways, you must confess your sin. Then you must bring to the Lord as a penalty for your sin a female flock from the flock, either a sheep or a goat. This is a sin offering with which the priest will purify you from your sin, making you right with the Lord. Now, suppose you sin by violating one of the Lord's commands. Even if you are unaware of what you have done, you are guilty and will be punished for your sin. God knows everything that you do. For a guilt offering, you must bring to the priest your own ram with no defects, or you may buy one of equal value. Through this process, the priest will purify you from your unintentional sin, making you right with the Lord, and you will be forgiven. This is a guilt offering, for you have been guilty of an offense against the Lord. Um. That was Leviticus 5, 5 through 6, and 17 through 19. Restitution, or Leviticus 6, starting in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, suppose one of you sins against your associate and is unfaithful to the Lord. Suppose you cheat in a deal involving a security deposit, or you steal or commit fraud, or you find lost property and lie about it, or you lie while swearing to tell the truth, or you commit any other such sin. If you have sinned in any of these ways, you are guilty. You must give back whatever you stole or the money you took by extortion or the security deposit or the lost property you found or anything obtained by swearing falsely. 
you must make restitution by paying the full price plus an additional 20% to the person you have harmed. On the same day, you must present a guilt offering. As a guilt offering to the Lord, you must bring to the priest your own ram with no defects, or you may buy one of equal value. Through this process, the priest will purify you before the Lord, making you right with him, and you will be forgiven for any of these sins you have committed. All right, so we have a New Testament example of this in the story of Zacchaeus, and we're in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to his home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. All right, back to Leviticus chapter 7, verse 22, forbidden blood and fat. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. You must never eat fat whether from cattle, sheep, or goats. The fat of an animal found dead or torn to pieces by wild animals must never be eaten, though it may be used for any other purpose. Anyone who eats fat from an animal presented as a special gift to the Lord will be cut off from the community. No matter where you live, you must never consume the blood of any bird or animal. Anyone who consumes blood will be cut off from the community. Isn't that interesting? Because I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of a really nice, thick, juicy steak and the fat around it as you're grilling it. Now that, you know, makes it sizzle and it makes it really taste good. And, and then the juices are the blood. That's the blood. Okay. So that's the good part, really. <laughs> the good tasting part. We're supposed to, you know, not eat that. They're supposed to not eat that. But then we think Jesus's blood shed for you. Now imagine what the Jewish disciples thought when Jesus at the last supper stood up, held a cup of wine and said, this is my blood shed for you. Do you think they understood what he was referring to right then and there? Or did it take his dying on the cross, rising from the dead and appearing to them alive for them to understand? Jesus is the final sin offering. Again, I borrow from Jesus and all of Leviticus by spoken gospel found in the free YouVersion Bible app. And it reads, when Jesus died for us on the cross, he made a way for us to be de-sinned. He is the final sin offering. By believing in Jesus, we symbolically put 
our hand on his head like those Leviticus did with the animal. We put our faith in the fact that Jesus' death dealt with the penalty our sins deserved and we are forgiven. His blood also cleanses the temple of our body so that God in his spirit may come and dwell in us. Jesus' blood not only makes a way for God to dwell with us, but for us to dwell with God. As we saw in Leviticus, the higher the status of the person making the sin offering, the deeper into the tabernacle the blood would have to go. So when Jesus, who has the highest status imaginable, made the sacrifice of his own blood, it wasn't taken into the depths of an earthly tent, but into the very presence of God. Through his sacrifice, we have full access to God's presence. What Leviticus and all its sacrifices do partially, Jesus does completely. The guilt offering is meant to point us forward to Jesus' offering. When we put our faith in Jesus' final sacrifice, Hebrews 10.22 says that our consciousness are sprinkled clean with the blood of Christ. We no longer have just an outward sign that our guilt is dealt with. We have the inner witness of Jesus through his spirit that we have been made guiltless because of Jesus' perfect guilt offering. Jesus also paid for the effects our sin has on the world around us. He fixes the effects of sin through us. Time and again, in the New Testament, we see pictures of people who are so radically changed by the love of Jesus that they make above and beyond reparations for the bad ways they've treated people around them, like Zacchaeus. Jesus changes us so we can change our world and others, but we can't fix everything. Thankfully, Jesus can, does, and will. He can work in people's hearts to restore what we have broken. And what's more, when he returns, he will fix everything that's broken and make it perfect. He won't add 20% to it. He will make everything 100% new. That's why he says in the book of Revelation, behold, I am making all things new. That's Revelation 21. You click on over to my blog. I have a whole study on the book of Revelation. And Jesus said in the book of Revelation chapter 3, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. We'll commune with God in his presence. Yes, he's knocking at the door to your heart. Why don't you let him in? What are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, 
feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.